This is a Federal News Network podcast. The whole premise of the Mission Act to provide veterans with health care services outside of the VA system won't work if providers don't get paid. But reports of that very phenomenon keep coming in, and that's prompted demands for action by the Veterans Health Administration from members of Congress. Among them, the chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Committee's Oversight and Investigation Subcommittee, New Hampshire's Chris Pappas, who joins me now. Representative Pappas, good to have you on. Great to be with you, Tom. Thanks for the time. Tell us about what you're seeing and what you're hearing about who's getting paid and not getting paid. Well, we have seen uh, significant issues with payments for um, community providers for a number of years, uh, both through uh, the CHOICE program and now um, as the Mission Act has rolled forward. uh, We've been getting uh, several calls uh, from providers across my district um, who have been experiencing serious dislocation uh, with timely payments from VA. Um, And so this is a deep concern because um, as we look at these community providers to, you know, help serve our veterans and open doors of care, uh, especially in underserved and and more rural areas, um, you know, if the bills aren't paid, then these networks won't be sufficient to meet their needs. Um, We have seen in in my part of the country, in in Region 1, um, a number of different uh, third-party administrators who are doing the billing, contracting with VA, um, come in and out, and we've seen uh, two transitions over the last couple years. Um, the most recent transition between uh, TriWest and Optum um, has uh, moved through our part of the country, the Northeast, and um, it's left a lot of providers um, still trying to um, you know, get some of these legacy invoices paid. Um, I know in my small state of New Hampshire, our hospitals are owed um, over $130 million by um, VA, um, and we're trying to do all we can to make sure that um, these third-party administrators as well as VA uh, can come to the table, roll up their sleeves, and work through um, some of this backlog. I mean, I think as we think about community care, uh, we should think about it not displacing what VA does, um, but complementing it. Uh, the hope, I think, long-term is that this is a force multiplier for VA, and that can actually um, do some good outreach to uh, members of the veteran community who don't currently seek care uh, at VA. So um, we're hoping this can be sort of a win-win uh, for veterans as well as uh, the overall strength of the VA system. Um, but we've got to make sure we pay attention to these nuts and bolts issues uh, with payments sure. because this has the, the, the chance to really derail things uh, with community care. And would it be accurate to say that some of the people owed money in New Hampshire and other areas are not necessarily large, rich hospital chains, but maybe small and independent medical care providers? That's right. It's hospitals, but it's also home health care providers. Um, it's alternative pain uh, you know, treatment like uh, acupuncturists. Uh, it's massage therapists. So we're hearing about it um, uh, you know, both from large um, hospital systems, but also from smaller providers who, frankly, can't wait uh, weeks or months uh, to get paid for services that they've uh, performed for our veterans. So it's a real serious issue, and I've, I've heard from a number of providers over the better part of the last year um, who you know, don't want to do business with VA because of these issues, and I think we've got to make sure we work through this. At, at the end of the day, it's about care for our veterans, and that's what, what has to be top of mind. And do the payments, as this program is structured, come directly from the Veterans Health Administration, or is it some kind of a regional distribution of VA medical centers that do the payments? How is it set up from a, just a transfer standpoint? 
Well, some of the claims lie with VA. Um, some lie with these third-party administrators that I mentioned, um, those uh, firms that are contracted to do billing for VA. Um, so it's really where um, the authorization originated. Um, and so you have to do a lot of backtracking to figure out um, exactly um, you know, where these claims live and where the responsibility lies for this. So there is um, some shared blame to go across, I think. And that's why it's important that um, not just at a local level, but also at a, a regional, national level, that VA is willing to engage in this. You know, I know our local folks up at the Manchester VA in New Hampshire are doing as good a job as they can trying to triage this situation. Uh, folks in their community uh, care, um, you know, call center uh, that work directly with these providers are doing uh, a great job um, in trying to work through this. But this problem is bigger than just them uh, because when you're talking about um, you know, care provided, uh, say, uh, at a local hospital, um, that could come from a number of different medical centers. So we really have to make sure that uh, our visions are involved and that, you know, VA uh, at a federal level is really engaged in this to uh, try to work through these issues. We're speaking with New Hampshire Congressman Chris Pappas, and you had quite a number of co-signatories on the letter to the VHA which indicates this is not just a Northeastern or Regional One problem, but something that's occurring nationally? That's right. Uh, there is interest across the country in this um, because we are seeing uh, transitions happening in other regions uh, between third-party administrators, um, and we have seen um, a dislocation of, of payments in other parts of the country, too. So th this um, is a national problem, and um, a number of my colleagues are concerned about what they're hearing from providers in their districts. So um, we're really, you know, I'm trying to shine a light on some of the local issues that our office has been working directly on um, as a way to address what is a national situation. Um, and, you know, we're, we've been, um, you know, surprised and in a good way by um, the engagement we've seen so far by VA. Um, and, and I want to compliment them for doing all they can to address this. Uh, but it's going to take some more time. Um, and at the end of the day, we have to learn some lessons here about how we can set up systems in a way uh, that is not going to allow this to happen again. So you haven't then gotten ignored by VA. It sounds like that you got a response that's favorable, that they're aware of the problem and are trying to fix it. We have gotten a response, and I, I think um, you know the indication is that uh, from the secretary to uh, you know Dr. Matthews and others um, who really can help um, direct this, uh, you know, help solve this problem uh, and direct the response um, that they are engaging in this and you know want to want to make this right. And I think the overall success of Mission Act and community care generally uh, depends on them getting it right. And two questions about veterans. Have any of them that you're aware of been denied care because of the providers not getting paid? Or have any of the veterans themselves been dunned for the money that is due to the third-party providers? Well, we've been concerned about some of the messages we've been hearing from providers, including um, you know, a home health care agency, for instance, that uh, was sort of at wit's end and couldn't continue to provide care um, if their legacy claims weren't paid. Um, our office helped work through some of those issues uh, and get them addressed by, by VA. So um, we're doing all we can to you know, uh, figure out ways that we can be helpful uh, as this situation moves forward. Um, but you know, one of the big pieces of this puzzle is emergency care. 
Um, and, you know, VA has not been paying claims for emergency care. There's a lawsuit pending. Um, and, you know, the veterans that I talk to out there in my district um, have been receiving mixed messages about exactly when they can seek emergency care, uh, when, you know, VA is going to, uh, you know, pay for the bill for their emergency services. Um, we don't want any veteran to go without um, the care that they need, especially in an emergency type situation. So I think we, we all need to be um, very transparent um, about uh, what services are available to our veterans, um, but especially when it comes to those uh, you know, life-threatening situations um, where a veteran's health is on the line. Um, we want them to get all the care that they deserve, um, even in an emergency setting. So we need to um, you know, work on that piece of the puzzle to make sure um, that VA is going to pay these claims. And do you feel this can be fixed administratively or possibly any legislation or amendments to the Mission Act that might be needed? We, I, I think the power does rest with VA to pay these claims um, and send a clearer signal about emergency services. So I'm hopeful that they'll continue to, to look at that issue and, and end up on the right side of it. Um, and I think those of us in, in Congress um, you, you know, will look at legislative remedies as well. New Hampshire Representative Chris Pappas chairs the House Veterans Affairs Committee's Oversight and Investigations Subcommittee. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for your time. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.